The Irish Times Inside Politics podcast is going to be holding another live event. This one is in central Dublin on Thursday, May the 16th at 8am. We are going to be in Medley in Dublin too. We only have a few tickets left, so if you want to join me in conversation with head of Ipsos polling in the US, Cliff Young, along with Pat Leahy and Jennifer Bray, looking at the polling in Ireland in the run-up to the European and local elections, just go to irishtimes.com slash events where you can get your tickets. Hello and you're very welcome to this latest instalment of Inside Story, a podcast series from the Irish Times. I'm Hugh Linehan. If you're a regular subscriber to our Inside Politics podcast, then Inside Story is showing up now in your regular feed. And some of the subjects we cover are directly political, but we'll also be looking at other subjects. Each week we talk to Irish Times journalists about the background to stories which they've been working on for the printed newspaper or on the website. We hope to offer a bit more insight into those stories and into what the process of telling them involves. And this week I'm joined by our health correspondent Paul Cullen to talk about antibiotics and antibiotic resistance, a subject of which I didn't know very much before I read your piece this week, Paul. Yeah, I mean, in my job, uh, the immediate tends to crowd out the important very often. We're always talking about trolleys and waiting lists and stuff like that. But there are big things going on in health, both in Ireland and internationally and uh, you know, this is one of the biggest things, really. Um, this is up there with terrorism and climate change as one of the big challenges that faces the world over the coming decades. One of the things that really startled me about your piece was the numbers that that you gave of the number of people who are directly affected by antibiotic resistance as it is now and who are going to be affected by it in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, according to the best estimates, a big report published last year, there's over 200,000 people in the EU who are dying each year from the effects of uh, antibiotic resistance, 700,000 in the world, so that most of them are in the developing world. And that's been set to go up to 10 million by the middle of the next uh, century. Or is it this century? Excuse me. Um, and uh, so uh, that would be bigger than cancer. It would kill more people than cancer. So what's going on with antibiotics and why are they becoming more resistant? Is this just, is it a natural outcome of the fact that we're, we're using them more? Yeah, there are a few things going on. Um, Obviously, everybody knows the story of Alexander Fleming, the invention of penicillin. And then at the end of the Second World War, it was just about when uh, penicillin became commercially available. Um, But from the very beginning, um, the scientists warned, including Fleming, warned that resistance uh, always followed uh, the development of new drugs and and so it happened so every few years a new drug came along then resistance came along um, however we kept developing for a number of decades we kept developing new and more powerful antibiotics and they made possible some of the marvellous things that we take for granted in modern medicine you know we, we, we don't worry about small cuts not only that we cut people open to do open heart surgery to do caesareans um, to do transplants all of those things none of them would be possible without antibiotics um, however, the uh, flow of new antibiotics uh, tailed off in latter decades. Um, I'll come to that in a minute, OK? Um, but, but at the same time, what ha- started happening was that resistance started growing. It was always there at a low level. But then suddenly uh, you had what were drug-resistant organisms became multi-drug-resistant organisms. And they learned, uh, they adapted to uh, to outwit, I suppose, the um, not only the, the earlier antibiotics, but the more sophisticated ones that we had developed. Now, you ask me, why aren't we developing new drugs? Um, one reason is that there isn't an incentive to do it. Um, we have the drugs we have, um, and we use them copiously, and that's part of the problem, and we'll talk about that. Um, 
But, uh, for example, there is uh, less incentive for a drug company to develop a new antibiotic that would be used on a once-off basis and would successfully uh, deal with your illness. Um, and there's more incentive for them to uh, treat, for example, a chronic disease such as diabetes, which would require you to take um, medication for the rest of your life. So that's a sort of structural failure in the, yes, in the so medical industry. Yes, it's been industry. identified as being very important um, um, because um, the the whole industry has turned around towards um, investing in uh, products which require chronic treatment, long-term treatment and very expensive drugs, for example, for cancer. And so on. we've seen great developments there, but uh, the pipeline has run dry in the antibiotic area. So you have a structural or a business problem, however you might want to characterize that. But there's also a sort of a, a social problem in the way that we use these drugs and why we use them the way we do. Yes, and that's on an individual level and as a societal uh, basis too. Um, I mean, we've all been there. We all know um, we feel poorly. Um, um, we we want to get better quickly. We have to get better quickly. We want to hold on to our jobs and so on. We're not too sure what's wrong with us. But uh, we go to the doctors and studies find uh, that, you know, if a patient expects an antibiotic, they get an antibiotic generally from the GP. Um, if the doctor is stressed, he's more likely or she's more likely to give out antibiotics. There's a, low, a lot of psychology uh, at play here. And uh, I think most people, if they're honest, would be familiar with that. Um, we, a lot of us just don't have the time to sit out uh, the kind of illnesses that beset us from day to day and we end up taking antibiotics. Now some of us don't take antibiotics properly so we dispense the antibiotics but we don't complete the treatment and that's the worst thing you can do uh, because you've killed some of the bugs but you've taught the rest of them to become more adaptive. Because you give this, this famous back. example of Fleming talking about this way, way back 70 years ago. Yeah, in his, in his Nobel lecture in 1945, um, he presented uh, his, his audience with something of a murder mystery. He said, you know, here you have Mr. X and he's not feeling very well. He's got strep, strep throat and he takes some antibiotics, but he doesn't take them properly. Um, so what does he do? His wife also gets fall sick and uh, although he gets better, she dies from it. So who killed her? He asked. Now, he, in that example, blames Mr. X for doing that. But you've got to look nowadays, um, given the knowledge we have um, of the mechanisms at play, at what's happening in a wider society. Why are we as a society using antibiotics so, uh, so much? And uh, some of the experts I talked to in the, in the article are quite clear about this, that we use antibiotics as something of a crutch, really. We should be using vaccines more. We should be using sanitation more. And we're talking about this throughout the world. Um, and we are using antibiotics massively in agriculture. And um, to the extent, both in Ireland and in other countries, where entire herds of animals, pigs in particular in Ireland, are being medicated pr uh, as a prophylaxis against the possibility of illness rather than being treated for an illness that they might have or specific animals might have. And all of that is combining together uh, to reduce the effectiveness of and these drugs. And what role, if any, does regulation have to play in this? Is there any regulation of me medication of, of livestock, for example? Um, there isn't. I mean, if you're talking about Ireland, uh, there are reports that um, tell us that we use about 100 tonnes of antibiotics a, a year. Um, um, but the data we have is quite poor compared to other countries. What we do know, for example, is if you're looking at Europe, for example, um, antibiotic resistance increases uh, going from north down to south. 
so the southern European countries are the worst with the highest levels of antibiotic resistance. They're also the ones with the highest levels of use. And uh, the more organised, let's say, Scandinavian societies seem to get by with fewer antibiotics. They use a, uh, Individuals use a fraction of what we use uh, and yet seem to get more out of them. Um, so a regulation hasn't really, um, I mean, the big stick hasn't been waived yet. I think a lot of it's been about education and awareness. Um, but the problem is becoming so critical that maybe new measures will have to be um, taught. I'm right saying so that those southern European countries, you can buy a lot more of the, these medications over the counter without a prescription. Yes, you can buy without prescription. So um, there's a question and some reports have suggested that it should be a worldwide ban on buying antibiotics without prescription. This is a sort of classic example of one of these sort of social conundrums that we come across in various walks of life in society, that there are things that are happening that aren't necessarily doing much harm to the individual, mm. but taken en masse. Another example is people, people opting out of vaccine programs for their children, taken en masse. They can have a catastrophic effect on on a, on the community's health. Yeah, I mean, uh, some people <coughs> refer to the tragedy of the commons. You know, where the the, the, the commonly owned grass is grazed away by animals, uh, and um, individuals benefit, but collectively something is lost. Um, and that's what's happening here. Is um, it? And, and and the problem is that it's not an incremental. Uh, difference that has been made um, it's not just that some antibiotics get out into the system but it's that the um, the impact of the loss of resistance could be massive and um, uh, s simply uh, of another order and we, we just will for example if we lose our last line of defense and we've been people have been talking about lose last line of defense uh, antibiotics then we're left with no, doctors are left with no other um, weapons with which to counteract uh, bugs uh, of this sort and they're going to have to pull back on some of the uh, therapies that they're doing and the um, surgeries that they're doing um, at least until we invent something new. And what about hospitals themselves? Because a lot of what we hear about this, particularly in Ireland, is about um, infections which get into hospitals, I suppose, and it seems to be impossible to eradicate or very, very difficult to eradicate with the whole MRSA thing, which went on for years, although it seems to have been addressed to some extent. Yeah, MRSA was a huge issue 10 years ago, if anyone remembers. People were afraid to go into hospital with good reason. Um, we have, it hasn't gone away by any means, but uh, we have a probably about halved our MRSA uh, infection rates. Um, but what we see is a new generation of bugs uh, with names like CRE or VRE uh, coming along. And they're quite nasty, really, because whereas MRSA existed on the skin and could be uh, dealt with by effective hand washing and, and hygiene measures, um, these new bugs exist in the gut. Now, lots of bugs exist in the gut, and they don't do us any harm most we, of the we time. We need some of them. We need some of them. But if these bugs get in, into your system, um, they're very hard to eradicate. Um, going after them in the gut means killing off the good bugs that we need. Um, testing for them uh, is invasive. It's a rectal swab. It's, people find it unpleasant. So they're hard to screen people for it. Um, so what we found is, um, far from this being a theoretical problem, it's now become a real reality for the Irish health system. Um, since 2009, hospitals around Limerick and nursing homes have struggled with some of these superbugs. And, have, uh, and the problem's only got worse. And uh, recently, um, um, I was writing about a whistleblower in, uh, in the HSC in that region who revealed uh, that up to 30 people uh, who had this superbug in their system had died over a two-year period in hospitals in the Midwest. Now, not all of them would have died 
solely and exclusively of the bug. But it's fair to say that it was a contributory factor, certainly to those people who had bloodstream infections. And uh, certainly it wouldn't have uh, done anything for the health of people who had it, who were so-called colonised, who had it in their gut. And the other thing about people who are colonised with these infections is, although they may be healthy themselves, they can pass it on to other people. And is it fair then to say that the hospitals are kind of a locus of sort of danger here because presumably they're sort of factories in which they're, they're outputting an awful lot of antibiotics as well as being places where, where these, um, these, these infections gather? Well, they certainly have to be very careful that they don't become that anyway. Um, we have another outbreak we've seen more recently. We haven't been told very much about it in Tala Hospital uh, of the same uh, superbug that's effect, been affecting uh, hospitals in the, in the Midwest. Um, it is true, obviously, in general terms that hospitals are full of sick people. And, uh, um, you know, uh, you anybody going there is advised to, you know, follow sensible precautions in terms of washing their hands and being careful about uh, how how they proceed um but um it's uh, it certainly seems to be the case for example uh the the VRE superbug that i mentioned Ireland has the highest rates in Europe uh, of uh, of that um and we were above average or in the top third for a lot of the other bugs so while um we're not the worst uh, by any means in Europe. Um, we're, our record is, is not great and uh, it's becoming worrying that, uh, as I said, these uh, bugs are uh, finding their way into certain parts of the system and the system is struggling uh, to get rid, of them, get rid of them. And I'm guessing particularly in a sort of globalised world where people move around a lot and indeed move around for medical care from, from, t- from time to time as well that this is a global problem, that if we're going to address it, you need to address it at a global rather than a national level. Yes, it's fascinating, actually, that some of the uh, organisms and uh, names like um, NDM, take NDM1, which is actually a gene that alters the bacterium. They're only a decade old since, uh, it's a decade ago since they were um, in the Indian subcontinent. And then uh, Europeans went uh, for medical reasons there and uh, had procedures dental and other ones and came back and was spotted in in, uh, Sweden and very soon um, it was in 110 other countries including Ireland Uh, so it shows how fast some of these things are moving Um, and obviously uh, international travel uh, was only going to facilitate that so it it can obviously be taken as a a given that um, for example uh, one of the most worrying aspects was a study last year which found that um, colistin which is a very toxic antibiotic which hospitals had stopped using because it can really do serious harm to your kidneys um, that, uh, but they were forced to use it again because of such resistance to other antibiotics that uh, resistance was found to that in China uh, and that was last year and already uh, there are worries that that will spread to other countries. Right, well you can read Paul's feature in the Weekend Review this weekend in the Irish Times and on the website Paul. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. And that's it for this edition of Inside Story. Thanks to our producer, Declan Conlon, and engineer, Rob O'Sullivan. We're really interested to know what you think of this series. So remember, you can mail me at hlinhan at irishtimes.com or you can find me easily on Twitter. But remember also that you can find all our shows on irishtimes.com slash podcasts or indeed you can subscribe via iTunes or your preferred podcast provider. And if you are a subscriber, we do always appreciate it if you take a moment to rate or review this show as it does a lot to help us reach a wider audience. But until the next time, goodbye and thanks very much indeed for listening.